Please stand for the reading of God's word. Today's passage comes from Mark chapter 1, verses 40 through 45. It says this, A man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees, If you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus was indignant. He reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately, the leprosy left him, and he was cleansed. Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning. See that you don't tell this to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest, and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Instead, he went out and began to talk freely, spreading the news. As a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside in lonely places. Yet the people still came to him from everywhere. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Good morning. Will you thank our worship team and Jason and Emily... Uh, I walked out and I saw everybody standing. I was like, oh, maybe this isn't my part yet. So uh, almost backed out. Hey, thank you for joining us this morning, whether you're in person or online. We're thrilled to have you with us. Um, <clears throat> if we haven't met yet, my name is Nathan, and um, I'm sure we'll meet at some point. So as Jason was reading, uh, I was reminded um, just over the last few weeks, as I've studied this passage that maybe you're familiar with or maybe you've heard it for the first time, this morning, this word jumped out that has just never jumped out before. And it's the word testimony. Testimony. I mean, you, you hear this account and you think, well, yeah, you've got Jesus is cleansing a leper. Uh, but Jesus sends him off. And he says, I, I want you to go in the way I describe as a testimony. And I think that jumped out because I realized how much of our lives revolve around testimonies. I mean, just by show of hands, how many of you utilize Amazon reviews as, as a testimony to the products you want to buy? Okay, how many, let me just ask, because I got to know, how many of you are like five-star people? You only read the five-star reviews. You suckers. Okay, uh, how many of you are one-star people? You are Eeyore. Okay, so there's, yeah, we're all drawn to the review system Amazon's got, right? They've got, you can rate something one to five stars. They'll show you how many ratings it's got. You can go into the details. And uh, recently I found out there's actually an app that you can look up the product you're looking up on Amazon. And this app will tell you which reviews are actually totally fake. Uh, because it's been, in recent years, a, a common practice for people wanting to market a product to uh, incentivize people to give unrealistic reviews. Uh, not just unrealistic reviews, sometimes it's not even a real product. For instance, the one we're going to put on the screen right here. This is the Wenger 16999 Swiss Army Knife. <laughs> it is one and a half inches by nine inches by nine inches, seven pounds fits in your pocket if you wear pants that big, all right? And I just, I was like, obviously it's out of stock, and I just thought, was this even real? So I'm going through the reviews, and I come across one, and it says, this product is so amazing. I was using it to file my nails. It accidentally fell out of my hands, and it accidentally fixed a small nearby engine. And I thought, okay, clearly fake. 
And, and the point remains that when it comes to testimonies, I, I believe we're even at a point in our, in our culture and in our society where people look at testimony of things and find, they find ways to discredit, right? We've talked about cancel culture. I mean, it's all over the place. The last couple of years, this term has arisen, in, uh, especially when it, when it comes to Christianity, called deconstructionism. And I don't know if you're familiar with deconstructionism, but it describes really the process and the practice that, that many, many people are beginning to embrace and engage. That as they think about the faith that they grew up with, and as they think about faith leaders, and they think about faith communities, they're beginning to deconstruct what they learned growing up. And the intention is there to rebuild it in a way that they understand, and yet it, it doesn't always go that way. In fact, some have said what we like to think of as faith deconstruction is actually faith demolition. Now, I'm not here to discuss the merits of such a process. Some people may very well need to go through that in order to rebuild their faith and, and make it their own faith. But as I look at it, and as I think about that, I realize that's really not describing anything different than what's been around for centuries and centuries and centuries. Because oftentimes, what those who don't follow Jesus will look at in order to justify continuing to not follow Jesus or follow him is really the testimony. The testimony of those who follow him. And the reason I bring this up is because as we get to the end of Mark chapter 1, as Jason just read, you discover that all the way through, if you think back through this, Jesus shows up, he's got this incredible heart for people, and it's from that heart for people that he goes to people. And it's here, this may be the first time, this first instance in Mark chapter 1, you see he doesn't just have a heart for people. He's not just going to people, he's now including people in what he's up to. And, and so as I read with fresh eyes this passage, I realized there is really a framework here for us. There is the framework of what a, a powerful Christian testimony is. And I would argue that oftentimes, even in my own life as I look back, when my life has lacked part of this framework, well, then my testimony is weakened. And your testimony is weakened when we, when we lack these things. Here, let me, let me just dive into the passage. And you'll see that first part that we all think of when we think of a Christian testimony. Here's what it says in verse 40. A man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Now, obviously, he's dealing with a condition that is just non-existent today. You know, biblical leprosy, when, when you read the descriptions of what leprosy was, it was like this scaly condition on the skin, and it could be used to describe a lot of things. But oftentimes, it was this disease that would work from the outside in, all the way to the bones, and the skin would turn, it would turn bright white. But the consequence of leprosy is really what was probably most devastating, because the consequence of leprosy is that the leper had to be put outside of the community. They, they couldn't live in a village that had walls up around it. Maybe an open village, but if they lived in an open village, they had to be completely covered up, and maybe the most, the, the most shameful piece of all, they had to walk around, and they had to yell, unclean, unclean, unclean. I mean, can you imagine? And maybe we can these last couple of years. And if you had COVID, you maybe got a taste, at least a fraction of what it maybe would have been like. 
I mean, I know when I had it. I was, I was banished. I was totally banished. So I just, I just ran to our bedroom, and I just claimed it. I was like, sorry, I'm, I'm here. This is mine now. And so Kara, obviously, everybody had to, they had to be separate. But maybe we get it a little bit more after these last couple years. What somebody would have gone through to be separated or banished or just kept apart from community. And this is what this guy's dealing with. And so the fact that he approached Jesus would have been shocking for people. Well, Mark, as, as he says it, let me read this again. A man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees. In other words, he's gotten to a point where he's now begging. He's begging. Maybe, maybe we don't understand physical leprosy, but leprosy was also thought of as an internal condition of the spirit as well. And that every single one of us can understand because we've all sat in that place, the place of spiritual leprosy, spiritual separation, whether it's community, from God, even from our own identity. And so one of the pieces of framework of the Christian testimony is that, of course, Jesus cleanses our condition. Of course he cleanses our condition. And oftentimes you'll hear people come out and they'll, they'll share this story of Jesus cleansing. And it's kind of amazing what happens. And I relate it to actually looking at an Amazon testimonial for a book that I wanted to get. So I'm digging through these reviews, and there aren't many reviews, but I wanted to find out, hey, what did people think about this? And I spotted like the three-star reviews because I've just personally found you get a lot of... Um, People, people tend to be honest and realistic when they're, when they're given two, three, four-star reviews. It doesn't mean the fives are invalid or the ones. But every single review I came across, I, I was hoping for some, some feedback about the content of the book. Instead, you know what I was reading? Well, the box was damaged when it showed up. Well, I, I, no, okay, that's fine. Like, I have damaged boxes show up. Yeah, I, I didn't really like the cover of the book. Yeah, it just, it looked like, it, I knew it was used, but I didn't realize it was that used. There was a lot of writing on the pages. And, and I just thought, no, this isn't what I'm looking for. I'm looking for actually a, a review on the contents of the book. And as I thought about that, I thought, man, this is maybe the first place where our, our Christian testimony can go sideways. Because a lot of times, you know what we can do? We can put out there something that isn't really the meat of what somebody's looking for. It, it's not what Jesus actually did. It's not that he cleansed my sinful condition. A lot of times, you know what we're advertising more? Maybe our church. You know, maybe, maybe ourselves. Maybe our individuality. And no doubt, there's a part of all that that God uses. But the first piece of, of the Christian testimony is really, it, it's not about us at all. It's that Jesus cleansed our condition. Now, that's where, honestly, a, a good chunk of my life, I have stopped. I've stopped there, but if, if you continue to read through this passage, it's really pretty rich what comes up in this. It begins to point to what is really a, a more authentic, a much more full, a much more rich testimony. Because again, remember, this is Jesus' heart for people, and he's going to people, but he also wants to include people. And so as we continue to read, you see the end of his statement here, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Now, I have to think that if Mark's emphasis was really just to, st- to tell the story of, of our cleansing, that he would have jumped straight to verse 42 where it says this, immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. Okay, here's the problem. 
That's just too short. I'm not saying there's a problem with the verse here, but that's just too simple. In other words, there's more going on here. I mean, if you've got a leper who's coming to Jesus and he's begging him for cleansing, and Mark in verse 42 gives us nine words because I count everything. It's the accounting degree. Immediately, the leprosy left him and, was, and he was cleansed. There's something more going on here. And the key to what's going on has to do with the statement the leper made. If you are willing, you can make me clean. See, I, I would guess that for many of us, the issue is not, can God do it? But instead we wonder, will God do it? God, I, I know you can. I know you've got the power, but do you have the heart? I, I know you could just snap your fingers and you could fix everything here. But are you willing? See, the, the issue for many of us is not, can God? It's, will God? And that, if I'm just honest has not as much to do with the ability of Jesus as much as the character of Jesus. And as you look through this passage, there is something that accompanies this cleansing that accompanies every powerful Christian testimony. It's not not just that he cleanses our condition, but it's something else. He shows us something of the character of God, and we find it right there in Jesus. And so, go to 41, that verse that we jumped over for a moment. This is, it's an interesting word that's used. If you have the NIV, which is the the translation we've got up here, Jesus was indignant. Well, indignant, you familiar with that word? I mean, I don't know, indignant and Jesus don't, don't seem to go together, at least not at first, as I think about that. Indignant in the dictionary says this, feeling or showing anger or annoyance at what is perceived as unfair treatment. Now, let's just say that's what Mark intended to say right there. Have you ever had your character questioned? I mean, you've maybe had somebody misunderstand you, and one of the first things you say is, how long have we known each other? I mean, think about it. Throughout Mark chapter 1, we're seeing the heart of Jesus to go to people over and over and over. Not to mention, Mark is the 41st book of the Bible. And you think all through Scripture, if you were just reading it cover to cover, You're seeing God's character throughout over and over and over and over. And so I thought about that and I thought, okay, if I've just shown you over and over and over and over my character, and you were to say, if, if you're willing to do something, Nathan, I'd probably be a little bit indignant. And you would too. We all would. But there's a Greek word here that I can't even pronounce, and it's like longer than the alphabet, I feel like. Not really, but it is long. But really, there's, there's another word, and if, if you pick up other translations, you'll see it. It says, Jesus was filled with compassion. Jesus was filled with compassion. Now that we can start to grab onto a little bit, can't we? And the compassion that Mark is referring to here is like that deep-seated, it's the seat of the affections, you know, from the gut, from down deep. This is a compassion that isn't just like, oh, I, I feel for them. It's not just sympathy. This aligns much more with empathy. The very character of God is full of compassion. <clears throat> it goes on. Jesus was indignant. He reached out his hand and touched the man. Now, remember, this is a leper. You didn't get near. You didn't touch lepers. But he reached out and he touched the man You see, this is something you see Jesus doing all the time. He reaches out. 
and he touches. Sure, there are a couple of accounts where he can heal from afar, but oftentimes what's he doing? He's touching the eyes. He's touching the mouth. He's touching somebody. He, it's this picture that he's so filled with compassion that he reached out. And what did Mark say? In some translations, it says immediately he reached out. He didn't recoil. He, he didn't, like, think twice about it. He just reached out. He follows up with this. I am willing, he said. Be clean. I am willing. That's active. If you were to look at the tense and the verb there, it's active. I, it is my will. I am willing to cleanse you. And then he says, be clean. And it's passive. And I thought, what a picture right there. See, he doesn't say clean yourself up, does he? No, he says, be clean. I actively am willing. You passively receive it. I am willing. Be clean. And this is the thing that, honestly, when you look at the practice of the church, this is where the stuff that the church has done throughout century and century, over century and century, you see a picture of Jesus reaching out to touch. You know, the sacraments. We take communion together. There is baptism. There are styles of worship. Do you know what all of that is? It is Jesus with a heart full of compassion reaching out to touch our lives. Because why? He says, I'm willing. Be clean. Verse 42. Here it is again. Immediately. Immediately. The leprosy left him and he was cleansed. And as, as I read this, I think it's almost like it's an afterthought. I mean, when you sit with that character of God that you see in Jesus right here, there is something that's taking place here. That it, it, it's like, it's not so much about the cleansing as much as the manner in which Jesus did it. That it's so personal. It's so intimate. And there's something about it that begins, you begin to go, okay, this is more than just a cleansing. You, you want to know Why? Because part of the Christian testimony, what makes it so powerful, is not just that he cleansed our condition. It's that he shows his character. Yes, he cleanses our condition, but he also shows his character. I I came across another product on Amazon. In fact, we're going to do a church capital campaign um, because I really want this thing. Take a look real quick. Uh, Right there. Okay. There is this, you can get this horse head mask for less than $30, okay? And I just, I cannot, I've been staring at this thing all week, maybe more than the passage actually. But as I was looking at it, I thought, man, this thing's amazing. So I go into the reviews, you know, the testimonials about the product. And, you know, some people said this is great for my kids. You know, uh, I loved this as a practical joke at work. Finally, I come across one review. It says, it's day 87 of wearing this mask. And the horses have finally accepted me as one of their own. (laughs) And I just thought, there it is, right there. That would be awesome if somebody actually did that. But let's just take that at face value for a minute. Isn't it true that people are a lot like the horses this guy pointed out? You, you, you see somebody, they've got a new mask, you know, or, or they, they share their story about how Jesus cleansed them. And there's still something in you that's like, okay, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, we're just naturally skeptical. Because, see, what we really want to know is, is this just like a sensational story or is, this, is there something to this? 
Who is the one that is behind this? He cleanses our condition. He shows his character, and yet that's not where this stops. If you continue, these verses that I used to just run right past, I realize there's so much more going on here. Verse 43 says this. Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning. See that you don't tell this to anyone. Now, this is kind of, this is strange. This is tied to last week. Remember, he, he heals the man who's possessed by the impure spirit, and then he commands them, don't go tell anybody about this. You're not to go tell anybody about this. You know, we have to remember, we're not at the cross yet. In other words, there is a timing and a pace of what God is up to here, and there is a sovereign plan that God is up to here. Jesus says, look, I, I don't want you to go tell anybody. Instead, verse 44, but go, show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a, and here's our word, testimony to them. Now, this is, this is tied to Leviticus chapter 14. Somebody with leprosy could actually come to the priest, show the priest their condition, and the priest could actually make different offerings on their behalf to atone for this leper who, who needed cleansing. And so Jesus is actually, he's pointing us back to Leviticus. And there's this incredible reminder here because a lot of times what we like to do is we think Jesus just threw the law out and he did things his own way. Yet that's not the case. No, Jesus actually fulfilled the law. And you see his heart even for those who were still all about the law. He said, go show yourself to them. Because they knew that only God could cure leprosy. And so by sending this leper to the priests, he was saying, guess what? God's here. God has shown up. God is vindicating everything he said. Go show yourself to the priests and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. So he's restraining them because it's just not time yet. See, there is a pace of what God is up to here. Now, obviously, we live on this side of the cross, and we'll get to that in a little bit here. But the point is, there is a certain manner in which he's sending the leper off as a testimony. In other words, leper, how you do this is going to say something to people. And as I thought about this, I thought, oh my goodness, how we go about conveying our testimony is going to say something to people, not about us, but about Jesus Christ, as a testimony to them. In other words, we can't just stop at being zealous. You know, a lot of times you see that. People get really, really zealous. You know, like Jesus makes a change, and and they're sprinting down the street, and and they're almost screaming at everybody. It's almost like I remember coming across, and this is this is way back in the '80s. Okay, I remember being downtown. This guy is the street preacher is screaming on the corner, and I thought, I feel like God is mad at me right now. I, I mean, just we can often convey that. Here's a man who's saying my life was changed, and yet his face said, I don't like you. At least that's how I interpreted it. But see, the third piece of this framework of of Christian testimony, he cleanses our condition, shows his character, and then he doesn't stop there. He bestows his character. In other words, he says, look, those whose lives I touch, I'm going to not just show them who I am, I'm going to make them like me. 
And over and over and over you see this in Scripture. He says, look, I, I want to affect your life. I want to touch your life. But, but then I want to form you. I want to carry on. This, this work that I've begun, I want to carry it on to completion. When he says, be holy, be perfect as I am perfect, you know what that's referencing? It's our Christian maturity. He's saying, become more and more and more like me as a testimony to them. You know, I, I don't know about you, but it, honestly, when you dig through Amazon reviews, maybe the most disheartening thing to come across is to find out somebody's given this glowing review only to find out that they were, they were given maybe a free book in order to put out a phenomenal rating. And if you come across that, I, I remember being recommended book after book after book, and, I, and it made me feel like maybe, maybe they're just after my money, actually, to try to get me to buy another book. And if you're new to the faith, maybe you can relate to that. I would argue that many people out there, when you listen to the arguments, again, whether there's merit to it or not, they're looking at Christians and they're saying, incredible story, but where's the character that lines up with it? See, the greatest Christian testimony is one of Jesus cleansing accompanied by his character. The greatest Christian testimony is the one that is a story of Jesus cleansing, but it's accompanied by his character. And here's what happens. You, you read it in the passage. Mark gives it to us. Here's what happens when that goes missing. Verse 45. It begins with the word, and, and immediately you go, uh-oh. Instead. Instead. Okay, Jesus has said, go, do this. And, and the first word that, that you get described with is instead. But we get it, don't we? Instead, he went out and began to talk freely, spreading the news. Now, this sounds great, doesn't it? I mean, in our mind, again, this is after the cross. We're thinking, well, he's, he's doing what he's supposed to do. But we weren't at that command to go out and tell the world yet. And so what looks like justified disobedience is actually just disobedience. You see, he showed up with what he needed and then he left doing what he wanted. And I'll tell you, I, I believe, as I listen to people, whether it's in the media or I talk one-on-one -on -one with them, the reason that people stay back from faith, oftentimes, is because they see Christians who have an incredible story. And yet, where's the character of Christ? He brings them together. He does it together. Instead, he went out and began to talk freely, spreading the news. See, it's possible. It's possible to have a cleansed condition and a rogue will, isn't it? I mean, we can do that, which really causes people to go, so is it really a cleansed condition? See, oftentimes it's so easy to presume we know exactly what Jesus wants of us, but then run and do the instead thing. No, I got it from here. Thanks, Jesus. Thanks for the cleansing. I'm going to go my way now. And we've all done it. We've all, we're all susceptible to it. <clears throat> as, as I was thinking about this, I, I believe this is a temptation that I face constantly, especially just sitting, sitting in the, the role that I sit in here at the church. Because you know what you, you get a lot of? Are um, emails. You get a lot of emails, especially through a pandemic. Did you know people have opinions about what you should be doing? Yeah, it's amazing. Don't worry, I'm not going to throw any of them up on the screen. 
this week anyway. Um, and so, but I mean, there's constantly, 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 hey, you should do this. You should do this. We should think about this. We should think about this. And I got to be honest, my own opinions are in there too. Yeah, I, I, that's great. I think we should have double stuff Oreos as we enter the doors every single week. Yeah, that's a great idea. Nobody emailed me that. I emailed me that. But you know, you just go, we all have our own ways of going about things. And especially in leadership. You know, people like to tell you, well, you know, based on how they did it back then and based on this incredible leader I've had, and yet I would say what Jesus is looking at each of us doing. He's saying, look, not only do I want to cleanse your condition, but I want to shape your character. And that's not just something that lands in the leadership spots. It lands in every single thing we do. Our parenting, our schooling, our work life, our school life, the academic life. How we carry ourselves through the day. You want to know something? Your greatest testimony will be the story of Jesus cleansing accompanied by his character. One, getting your eyes on the character of who he is, but two, letting him mold your will and my will to what he wants. So the question for us isn't so much, can God do it? I think we'd all nod, yeah, he can do it. It's will we submit to him. Now, there really is good news in this passage because you hear all this and you go, oh my gosh, I have to go out of here and like be perfect. But then it says something. Verse 45 continues. Instead, he went out and began to talk freely, spreading the news. As a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly. Wait, what? I mean, he's Jesus. He can do anything as a result. Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside in lonely places. I don't believe this is a question of his ability. Could Jesus enter any town? Of course he could. But openly, for the people to come to him. In other words, were, were they willing? Were they willing to receive what Jesus had to give them? It's interesting to me because at the beginning of this passage, you're hearing about Jesus' ability, his ability to cleanse a leper, his condition. And it ends with this inability. You know what that is? It's the one who substituted himself on our behalf. A leper who couldn't come in, Jesus says, I cleanse you. Now you can come in and be part of it. And what does he do? He takes their place. And he took your place. And he took my place because that is his character. He's that full of compassion. And then I love where this lands. Yet the people still came to him from everywhere. Yet the people still came to him from everywhere. Now think about that for a minute. You know what that says to me? The leper's disobedience, your disobedience, my disobedience, it doesn't, it doesn't stop it doesn't stop the expansion of the kingdom of God, but you know what it hinders? Your experience of it and my experience of it. The leper completely missed out. Was his condition cleansed? Of course, no question about that. But he missed out on being part of what God was doing with his kingdom. Now, that shouldn't make any of us apprehensive. You know what that should do? That should make every single person in here dependent that much more. It means that what happened at the cross 
Last time I pointed over there, it was like a Christmas decoration. But what happened at the cross, you know what it means? It's not this one-time thing. You know, some of you, the beginning of your, your faith journey may have been an altar call. Okay, and, and I don't know about you, it's easy to just go, okay, and it stopped there. I didn't think about it again. And yet, this would tell us, no, it's a daily thing. It's not just the cleansing of our sinful condition. It's that God shows and bestows his character, and for that, you know what you need every single day is to wake up and say, I'm going to carry the cross of Jesus Christ constantly because I need a Savior from my own will every single day. And you see it throughout Scripture. Paul, close to two, two and a half decades after he had this powerful conversion, he's still saying in Romans, the things I want to do, I don't do them. The things I shouldn't do, I still do them. Every day, we need a Savior. Uh, In 2012, I believe it was, um, there's a radio show called, I I don't know if you've heard about the radio. I'll explain that to to some of the younger generations after service. But... um, This American Life talked about some Colombian rebels. And as these Colombian rebels, they're these leftist guerrilla rebels that just like they were living out in the rainforest and um, they had left their families and really were just on a path of violence. And so a a marketer there actually put out some ads. He, He wanted to call the rebels to come home. And so he tried a few different things. At first, he, he decided his campaign was going to be former rebels who had come out of their ways. Um, and he was going to have them read their stories. And they were going to put this across the airwaves. Well, it was found out later that it was actually actors who were reading these things. So he picked people with, like, great voices, good looks. He'd put them on the billboards. He'd have people tune in. It sounded really nice to the ear. And you can imagine it was not effective at all. And so about three years later, what this marketer did is he filled 7,000 of these, these um, semi-translucent balls with, and he put lights in them. And he just sent them down the river. And as these lights, you can imagine, as they begin to come down the rivers of the rainforest, some of these rebels, where they were encamped in the, in the rainforests, would grab these. And they'd open them, and in there was a note. And it it simply said, it's time to come home. It's time to come home. Can you imagine? You you know, it's it's weird enough to see something lit up coming down the river. Open it up and there's a note. It's time to come home. That campaign, they believe, brought 331 rebels out of their guerrilla ways and back into the community. Here's the most interesting part to me. They found that 70%, close to 70% of those rebels, you know where the first place they went when they came out of the rainforest? The first place they went? The churches. The churches. Think about that. Their first encounter in deciding to come out of this life, this rebellious life, the churches, the followers of Christ. Why do I tell you this story? Because sooner or later, Maybe today, you are going to encounter a rebel who is maybe trying to come out of their ways. And the question is, what will your testimony, what will my testimony be? As the worship team comes back up, let me close this in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we, we come before you. And honestly, our starting spot is on our knees, Lord. We need your cleansing. 
And for those who have never experienced that cleansing, Lord, I pray that you would impress on their hearts that you are the kind of God that Jesus showed us you are in this passage. That you don't recoil at our sinful condition, but instead you reach out and you touch. And you say, I am willing, be clean. But Lord, I pray that every single day there's that piece of us. There's that will that wants to go rogue. Would you remind us that yes, you've, you've met and cleansed our needs, but Lord, our, our wills, we can't submit without a savior. And so Lord, keep our eyes on the cross every single day. And Lord, for, for many of us, it's give us words. Give us words that our testimony that we could convey to those we come across what it is you've done in our lives. But Lord, let them as they look at our lives See, not us, not how awesome we are, but how truly, truly compassionate you are. Let them see the character of Christ all over us. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.